Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Hey everyone, welcome to the new podcast from TheOneRing.com. Exploring Tolkien, we decided to give it a little bit of a facelift um, and uh, to get away from the name. But, but more about that later. I'm here, my name is Jonathan. I'm here with uh, Michael Grumbine and Dan Coates. Hey, as, how's it going? As we continue our uh, jaunt, our stroll, our leisurely look at the scenery along the way through the Silmarillion. Uh, and we are on the second to the last chapter of the Quenta Silmarillion with still the Akalabeth and of the Rings of Power and the Third Age uh, coming after that. Uh, and this week we're doing chapter 23 of Tour and the Fall of Gondolin. Uh, and we have a lot to discuss because we have so many people. We even have Turin coming back into this episode. Very briefly. Very briefly. Flash we can, cameo. We can, we can mention him. We can mention him. Um, but before we jump into that, I do want to jump into... All that is gold does not glitter. And I want to do this be, in a new way. Just We were called Window on the West for, for a year, actually. We, we've uh, Let's see, we started it, I think, the first week in May last year. So we're almost at a full year of podcasting at this point. And we, we named ourselves Window on the West because we thought it was a great name when it came to, uh, you know, referencing Tolkien, but it not necessarily being so overtly like... Um, like maybe some other Tolkien podcasts, like the the Green Dragon Brew House or something like that, which you're like clearly referencing that something from Tolkien, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Think what you may on that. However, so we were just like, you know what? No, if people look at Window on the West, they're like, what is the Window on the West? Because that's essentially what, you know, what he really knows. It's a reference to where Faramir took Frodo and Sam and they saw Gollum jumping into the, the right, into the... Uh, the 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 pond, pool pool below yeah the Henneth Anun yeah Henneth Anun and so um, you'll see in our intro that we do have like it's like you're behind a waterfall looking out over uh, the land as as it is as it would be in um, in um, in the Lord of the Rings so we renamed it Exploring Tolkien because really that's what we're doing and when you want to find a t- podcast about Tolkien you kind of want to explore Tolkien so we just renamed it Exploring Tolkien also. Um, also, we will we'll be doing lots of other works of Tolkien as the year the That's right. months go on. So, it isn't just going to be about Lord of the Rings or it's or anything related to Lord of the Rings. So, so the the biggest adjustment you might have to make is in your podcast player. Instead of being the last podcast in your list of all the podcasts, because it was at W, it's going to be like kind of in the top third now. So, <laughs> I realized that when I went to like download the latest podcast, I was like, "Where's the? Oh, it's not at the bottom anymore. I have That's to a... scroll all the way up." So I hope it's not too late. To just put an A in there. So A exploring Tolkien. Triple A Tolkien. Most importantly, <laughs> most importantly of all, I would like to know what are our new po- pronouns for this podcast, please, because that's that's what I we need to. Have. I was going to let you decide what yours are first, Michael. So uh, go ahead. <laughs> um, Faye. Faye. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I was. I always like uh, ours is and theirs is. Ours is and theirs is that's acceptable too, (laughs) especially in these chapters. Um, So, anyways, act act three of the tragedy. Yes. Um. One. One other. One other note, though. Too. We're we're changing it to exploring Tolkien, and we're going to be having this Friday or the Friday after this is released. We will be having our very first weekly live stream uh, at uh, this Friday, April twenty eighth, at three p.m. Eastern, twelve p.m. Pacific. Uh, and we're going to be doing a, about a two-hour live stream, I'm thinking, one to two hours, um, uh, with a bunch of guests. So we'll have the Middle Earth Mixer on, who I interviewed in our most recent podcast uh, before this one. Uh, John Trent from Bounding into Comics is going to be there. John Carswell from The Tolkien Road will be there. I'll be there. I think Michael will be there. Dan, if, um, if, if your time, I know, it's, it's right in the middle of the day in California. It's really rough, I know. We'll see. But we'll see. And then also Steve Babb from Glasshammer, who I uh, talked with last year, too. So we've got a, a nice cross-section. We're going to talk Tolkien. We're going to talk uh, other interesting news. Um, 
uh, and we're not going to keep it just to Tolkien. We'll, we'll expand outside of that too, but we'll have things to talk about, like the Gollum game that's coming up, about the Return of the King in theaters again, and how well it holds up, and how was your experiencing watching, experience watching it in these tiny theaters it was in, at least, is what it seemed like around here where I was. Um, anyway, but yeah, check that out. Friday, April 28th at noon on YouTube. So theonering.com, uh, theonering.com slash YouTube. You can do that, or you can go to youtube.com slash theonering.com. And you'll get there too. Also, if you just search The One Ring, I'm pretty sure we're the first result on YouTube. And you will get to that live stream. I'll post it on Twitter. I'll post it on Facebook. I'll probably live stream to those too. Um, and I think we might even do some, I might even try and set up um, some, uh, some live streaming of games when the Gollum game comes out. So that should be interesting. Cool. Uh, but yeah, check all that out. All right, boy, that's a lot of announcements. I feel like uh, the beginning of a really long church service, like right before Easter week, and you're and trying to announce everything that's coming up, and people <laughs> are starting to already nod off. And so, Dan, what do you think? Will the if if we um, if we put a tagline on this this Friday live live chat that it's episode whatever the last one was of the Babylon Bees exploring Lord of the Rings plus one, just dead the next episode. It just it, it functions as episode whatever whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, plus yeah. One. I'm sure they'll go for it, right? They'll be happy. Yeah, I'll just happy still run up the flagpole and see what they say. Yeah, <laughs> slap, a, slap a B logo on it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <sighs> That's great. I'll do that. No problem. Mm. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. All right, so let, let's jump into, let's jump into the second to the last, the penultimate chapter of the Quintus Silmarillion of Tour, which is Fall of Gondolin. Let's be clear, not to be confused in case people are unfamiliar with the, with Silmarillion. The published Silmarillion has another section to it or two. Two, yeah. Two other sections. <laughs> yeah, it has after this, it has a chapter called A Calabeth, right. and it has a chapter called Of the Rings of Power and the Third Age, which yeah. had, as it turns out, absolutely nothing to do with Amazon. But it has those two. Um, and so that's part of the published Silmarillion. And we are still going to be reading Yes, those. absolutely. Uh, so, I guess, and you'd say this is the, the, the end of the first stage is what we're getting through. Right. Um, all right. So, Dan? Dan's Big Thoughts. You're on. Well, I know you didn't want this to turn into a church service with a bunch of announcements, but my, <laughs> my, my big thoughts lately have been uh, kind of sermony. Um, Excellent. I, I don't want to turn this into Dan's pulpit where I give sermons, but um, I'm always finding connections between what I'm reading in Tolkien and what I'm reading in the Bible. Um, so I, first of all, let me just say, I really like the story of Tuor. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Tuor coming mm -hmm. to Gondolin. Um, after reading uh, about Turin and Hurin, I feel like this is a nice uh, change of pace where uh, it's not just all bad stuff happening. <laughs> like you actually have like some glimmers and rays of hope. And, and um, it, so I feel like Tuor is the other half of the story. And, and maybe if we wanted to make like an analogy, like maybe you have like uh, you have Huor and Hurin, who are two brothers, just like Jacob and Esau, that that one family seems to have all the cursing placed on them. Hmm. And the other family seems to have like it, maybe not the promise or like or maybe the seed of promise or like a prophecy of promise of good things that are good hmm. blessings that are coming. So I kind of saw that parallel right away. And I, I really like the story of Tuor, which is the son of Huor. I, I hope I'm pronouncing all those correctly. I'm sure mm -hmm. you are. Um, yes. All right, great. Um, yeah, so like you read the tragedy of the children of Hurin, and it's just, it's all bad. And then you finally get to this story and you start seeing things that are good. Um, back at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, uh, Hu uh, I'm sorry, Huor prophesied to Turgon that from you and from me, a new star will arise. And so that's kind of like where this is starting to, to, to come into being where Tuor makes it to Gondolin. He's wearing the armor that he gets from Ulmo, which tells Turgon, this is the messenger that I'm sending to you. Um, so he comes in the right gear and he marries uh, the king's son, or the king? <laughs> no, that would be bad. He, he marries the king's <laughs> that's, daughter. That's Amazon's well, version. That's twenty first century. That's not. He marries yeah. the king's daughter, uh, Idril. Idril, yep. Idril, and uh, they have a son mm -hmm. named uh, Arendil. And uh, so we kind of see how, like, kind of like in the Bible, you have like this line of promise. Like, there's there's a there's mm -hmm. something that's going to come from this. 
And you also see on a smaller scale that Tuor and his family are used to save the remnant from Gondolin. So Gondolin gets destroyed in this chapter and you kind of have a little mini uh, U catastrophe where, mm-hmm. where he comes in and he, he kind of, he's able to save a small group of people out of that. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I like this story arc. I think it balances out the children of Hurin quite a bit where uh, when I was reading about Turin, it was just one thing after the other, after the other of just like, Oh man, this is all bad. Um, I don't know. So that's, that's what, those are my thoughts. Nice. Huh? So the, basically that would make Turin Esau. Mm-hmm. The, the, I mean, they're cousins, not, not brothers, right. but, but uh, unlike Esau and Jacob, but yeah, there's, so, so you have, um, you have the, uh, the ill favored son who, you know, all Esau does is like, he's like prefer stew to his inheritance. And <laughs> all Turin does is, you know, marry his sister and have, kill everyone around him. So right. yeah, a little worse in Tolkien's world. Yeah. Speaking of which, since we're going to be saying his name a lot, we, we're all going to be on the same page here. Ea Rendil. Ea Rendil is how you say not, it. Not Erendil. Not no. no. Ea, Ea, like the word for Ea, all yeah. the whole Ea material Rendil. universe, is called Ea. Uh-huh. Ea Rendil. Yes. Ea, Ea Agreed. Rendil. All right. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. I, you know, I, I, it struck me. Okay, a little bit of a detour here in my brain about what to do with, with Turin and Tour is could you create a story that has like, and granted, you might have to take a little bit of literary license with this, but you could create the story of Turin and Tour, weave them together into one like long tale where there is this destruction and things are crazier happening in the, in the elven world, you know, where we hear about Thingol and, and Argothrond and all this sort of stuff. But then also what happens with Hurin and Hur or, or with uh, Tuor uh, and Vronway and, and all that. And it ends on a really good note of them, you know, uh, uh, fleeing and uh, meeting up with Dior uh, and uh, or uh, uh, Elwing the daughter right and, and that's that yeah i don't know i feel like there's a good story there where you could take tour and and tour and create one sort of interwoven story where maybe you'd have to weave a little bit more than you would have that than tolkien did here but something that would be really impressive in a cinematic view anyway does that hmm. make sense where i'm yeah. going with that that's interesting because, because then at the end they do they do come together at the end yeah. yeah, they do. And, hmm. and it is a different kind of story in that regard. But I do. It, it's funny because I think this is the only cameo that Tolkien has. Is we, Have we ever seen a cameo where he has intersection of two of his stories just cross each other? Now, obviously, they're related to each other where we see the appearance of Turin. He yeah. doesn't, even say, doesn't even say he's Turin. He says he was a tall man clad in black and bearing a black sword, which kind of narrows it down. And that's obvious. That, that's obviously. Turin. And it was talking too. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This talking sword. He was this. This, if we remember from the Turin story, this is when Turin was heading north after believing the lies of Glaurung, and had it was heading north to go back into Heathlum and search for his um, mother and his sister, and yeah. uh, and and. Um, they crossed paths, which is an interesting thing because, right, here's why I think it's interesting. You see, one is the story of the working of the curse. So you see the Morgoth's curse at work mm-hmm. through Glaurung, and the other crossways is coming literally east to west, um, or west to east, I should say, is um, is the working is the work of the Valar or Iluvatar probably through through Ulmo. And so you have literally these two major figures crossing paths, one under operating under a curse and the other operating under the, the blessing of the Valar directly. And uh, so it's a, I, I found that to be sort of an interesting figurative mm-hmm. um, picture yeah. uh, that, to- that Tolkien's giving us there. Yeah. And why is it that Ulmo is this mover and shaker? I mean, let's go. Well, I get, let's go in the beginning, right? Tour, he, he, was, uh, he was taken captive. He's got... Uh, uh, he was a thrall, essentially, to a uh, chief of the Easterlings. Uh, Lorgan. Uh, yep. Lorgan, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, he became an outlaw eventually. He escaped. And at this point, um, it says, almost set in his heart to depart from the land of his father's tour. Uh, almost set in Tour's heart to depart from the land of his father's. For he, Ulmo, had chosen Tour as the instrument of his designs. And I was like, "What? wow. So... 
Olmo is really the mover and shaker So in so many of these stories of elves and men. It's not any of the other Valar. Like, they don't, they, they, they're not the it's ones way, that pull them It's way across. more of a direct hand. Like, I mean, we've yeah. seen him take a, take a direct hand. Um, he and, and, um, uh, Melian are probably the, the two mm-hmm. of the, you know, he, he's the only Valar that, that takes a, a direct hand, um, in this age, at least on Middle Earth itself. And then she's the only, the Maiar that's directly taking a hand, obviously. Um, so, but it is interesting, right? Because he ups his game. Like he, he senses it. He knows it's coming to an end. The, 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 the doom of the Noldor elves is coming to its fullness. Yeah. And so, and his, and so he, we even see a scene where at the end of this chapter, he directly makes a plea to Manwe to lift the, 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 the doom and forgive the word is forgive that Tolkien uses the Valor, the sorry the Valor, the Noldor to forgive the Noldor and let them back, and Ma- and Manway's like nope, it's going to have to be somebody besides you, which is interesting. But Olmo, in, but throughout this, Olmo takes a direct hand. So so hmm. Tuor, can I say that Tolkien is showing us how much he loves Robin Hood? Like how many people, how many times in this story has the the major character been an outlaw like <laughs> running around with his band of men um a, a variety of sorts like hounding the enemy the evil unjust ruler of the land or whoever it is so it's it's all oh, it's all robin hood so so you know turin was robin hood and before him um the uh sons of uh who were they the 12 uh baradir barahir rather mm-hmm. <clears throat> um the mm-hmm. followers of barahir and uh the they were outlaws and then now two wars an outlaw with a band like harrying people. So I think Tolkien like Robin hood, but anyway, yep. So the, that story is about is, but the story is not about Robin hood. Of course, it's about, um, two be, becoming the emissary of Olmo. And I found it fascinating that two is a man, but throughout this story, he becomes more and more and more elven essentially. And I don't mean that in some genetic way, like he's changed, Mm-hmm. except almost well he does almost the, the, the right so 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 he um there there's a bunch of places where so when he comes to gondolin um and he appears before turgon there's a passage where it describes him um and i was not ready for it so okay so it was that okay blah, blah. then Tuor stood before Turgon, son of Vingolf and high king of the Noldor, and upon Turgon, the king's right hand, there stood Maeglin, his sister's son, but on his left sat Idril, Celebrindal, uh, his daughter. And all that heard the voice of Tuor marveled, doubting that this were in truth a man of mortal race, for his words were the words of the Lord of Waters that came to him in that hour. Reminds me, speaking of biblical passages, reminds me of like the Holy Spirit speaking to the apostles mm. through the apostles and the Acts. You know, it's, you know, Stephen appearing and the Spirit speaking through him. This is basically um, a similar, a, 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 I see this as a parallel. Okay, so he appears there as um, not as a man of mortal race. And then the heart of Idril turns to him over a seven year period. And the king of Gondolin holds him in such high favor. He does not refuse him the hand of Idril. And it says that, um, that uh, before that he became, this is two war. He became mighty in stature and mind and learned deeply of the lore of the exiled elves. So he is, he's in, he's basically becoming like a Noldor to is. And, and then at the end of his, of the chapter, just to skip to the end for this brief second, mm-hmm. it said, um, in those days, Tor felt old age creep upon him and ever a longing for the deeps of the sea grew stronger in his heart. And by the way, I have to say, when he first sees the sea after wandering there and being essentially led there by Olmo, he has this deep sea longing come upon him, which is a thing that happens to elves. Mm-hmm. doesn't usually happen to men. I don't know that any other time when we see the men captured by a sea, sea longing. It's always the sea singing in the hearts of the elves. So he's elven in that regard. And the last sentence of the chapter, but in after days it was sung that two or alone of mortal men was numbered among the elder race and was joined with the Noldor whom he loved and his fate is sundered from the fate of men. So he's, uh, I skipped the part where he sails off into the, into the West with Idril. Um, and came no more into any sailor, sailor uh, tale or song. So, 
it's really, I mean, like he has basically become, I mean, he's a man and yeah. therefore his child, Arendil, is is of both men and elves. Uh, but mm-hmm. he, technically he's a half man, half, I know this is, I'm saying this because this is no longer he's... kosher. To, to in, did, you, did you all hear that Wizard, what Wizards of the Coast did since I'm old? Oh yeah, no, no more uh, mixed races. There are no more mixed races. Wizards of the Coast have decided that <laughs> half like elf a, is racist, not, half orc awesome. is racist. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, he's he's a half elf, half man, and uh, it. But but Tuor, his father, is about as elven as you can get. So much so that even in his death, he joins the elves. By Olivetar has him join I find the elves. It's an interesting because they're the right, the, the two uh, elf and human marriages mm-hmm. in the Silmarillion. Um, one ends up where they're both mortal, and one theoretically ends up where they're both elven. Yeah, in a way, yes. Yeah. I was thinking about I was thinking about that too. And and what Jonathan means is, of course, Elwing is the daughter of um, Baron and Luthien, right? Well, no, well, you know, no. What I mean is that generation. is that he was jo- joined with a Noldor. Tuor was joined with a Noldor with Idril, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, Idril. Uh, yeah, Idril. And, yeah, yeah, and and so he and his wife were Noldor, and Baron and Luthien became mortal. So Tuor and and, and Idril became are, are are both Elven, and Baron and Luthien were both mortal. So Luthien joined the mortal race, and Tuor joined the immortal race, and now we have balance again. No, that, I don't know. That's really well. That is fascinating, but, right? Yeah, because technically, um, now technically, before she was re given a new body and resurrected, um, Luthien was half Maya, half elf. That's true. Uh, um, so it's it's a weird like I don't think genetics it's, works works that yeah, clearly know, with, just... with this, but but I do like it. I do like what you're saying, which is one side of the family is very 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 elven, even the humans, and the other side of the family is very 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 human, even the elves, yeah. <laughs> even the elf. So. So it is. It's, it is a fascinating uh, um, joining. So you know what's also interesting. I want to go back to the whole thing with Umo and how much he, right? He 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 plays such a part in this. But let's not forget that that he was he spoke to Kirden, um before, uh, who, uh, before Turin got to when Turin was in Nargothrond and they sent two elves. Um, let's see. I think I have it bookmarked here. Gelmir and Arminas of Angrod's people uh, to uh, to bring tidings of a great mustering of orcs and evil, blah, blah, blah. Because they, they told also that Ulmo had come to Kirin giving warning that great peril drew night in Argothron. So so maybe Ulmo was like, all right, I'm going to just try this touring guy. I'm going to, wherever he is, I'm going to send a warning out to them. And clearly that didn't work. So now he's on to the other guy, Tuor. Plan B. Plan B. <laughs> he's like... Uh, no, he's under a curse. I, I can't, I'm not going to try breaking that curse. We're just going to move forward and, and go to uh, tour. Um, anyway, I thought that was interesting that, that even there, he, there was a small part he played, but, but the part he plays here is like he, he changes tour's heart. He changes, like he makes him long. You know, he, he sees the seven swans and he's like, okay, I've been here, I've been here too long. But those seven swans are essentially a sign from, from Ulmo oh. too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I had never really read this thinking like, man, the, the part Ulmo plays is, um, he is he is driving things forward, <laughs> but even then, uh, I just like Turgon just ignores him. They, they get well, but but let's talk about that. I I think this is this is a fascinating thing, right? So the elves have been given Gondolin by Olmo. He, if we remember, he's mm-hmm. the one that led Turgon he, to Gondolin. That's right. yeah. Gave them this refuge, which has lasted the longest of all the elven refuges. All of them have fallen. Nargothrond has fallen, Syrian and the lands of Heathlam un- under Fingolfin's heirs have fallen, all the other lands have fallen, even Doriath has fallen, the great um, woodland kingdom, and the only ones left is Gondolin, so it's because of Olmo's generosity and care for the elves that they even have this, and what happens they become enamored and they even know they're not supposed to become enamored. They remember the line that let's, so, so we have this gem, this shining gem of Gondolin in this this hidden city of the mountains, which is unbelievably beautiful and a wondrous place. And um, when Tuor gives the words of Olmo to Turgon, it says, then Turgon pondered long the council of Olmo, 
And there came into his mind the words that were spoken to him in Vinyamar. Mm -hmm. Love not too well the work of thy hands and the devices of thy heart, and remember that true the true hope of the Noldor lieth in the west and cometh from the sea. But Turgon was become proud, and Gondolin as beautiful as a memory of Elvin Tyrion. So, so we have here them aspiring to be to make Gondolin Tyrion. And he trusted still in its secret and impregnable strength, though even a Valar should gainsay it. Hmm. And after the near Nith or Nordia, the people of that city desired never again to mingle in the woes of elves and men without, nor to return through dread and danger into the West. So here we have the two greatest flaws of the elves on full display. One is their love of beauty and goodness can be turned against them. They, and, they, and especially if they make the love and the, the goodness with their own hands, whether it's the Silmarils from the hands of Fionor or the city of Gondolin from the hands of the Noldor that dwelt there. And so, so there's that that can be turned against them. And then also their dismay and the sadness that they have. They feel this sadness and and um, tragedy more deeply than humans do, I think, and so they're they just desire to completely withdraw from the world, and 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 trust to their city, even though and, and preserve right, just like preserve the, the good. Yep. Silmarils were preservation, and Gondolin right. is a preservation. Of they are the ultimate conservatives, and and it is actually conservatism taken to its extreme because every belief system has its extreme, mm -hmm. which it can go to that is not good and this is the extreme of conservatism um i i so say i anyway that's my this seems Michael, to be, michael's minor thought <laughs> this seems to be a common theme for tolkien throughout the whole cimmerillion and probably everything he's ever written maybe that it seems like pride is at the core of everything that goes wrong hmm. and i don't know i think c.s lewis wrote about that at one point saying like that the like maybe satan's original sin was pride and that in everything that we sin, like whatever whatever sin that we're doing, we we have the at the core of that is a pride of of thinking that we we know better, and we we are the ones that are that get to choose, not not the Valar, not not God. Um, it's I, I don't know. It's, right. It seems like there's like a common thread of pride in all of this. Uh, for Tolkien, he also connects that to pride in what you make. Um, like the Cimmerils or the work the, of your hands, or, yes. the work of your hands. Yeah. Or what you want to possess. Cause mm -hmm. I, I feel of like a, of Maglin and how Tolkien uses the word. He wanted to possess, uh, Idril, like, like his father, Ael possessed Arithel. That's um, right. And, uh, it's not even the work of their hands. It's like, it's when they can possess the beauty and they clutch at it and they hold it. So the more you tighten your grip, the more, it slips, slips through, through your fingers, fingers right? right? That's what it feels but, like a little bit. Right, but and, and we're laughing because it's a cliche, but the reason cliches are cliches is because there's truth in them. Mm -hmm. So, the, and there really is truth here, and I find it fascinating. This is one of the many reasons why Tolkien is not, is by no means childish literature of any mm -hmm. kind, because his lessons are taken from hard truths, which is that even, that if you see, if you seek to possess even the thing which is which is good, inappropriately, you, to hold on to it too tightly, to desire it above all things that else that are good, then you will you will fall, and and um, and people do, and civilizations do, and and individuals do over and over again in his works. This is not a childish theme. This is a this is something which requires some subtlety. Uh, and uh, care. So anyway, we, we mentioned Maiglin. So he is the traitor, the proverbial traitor that brings the whole thing down. Yeah. Do we want to mention Veronway and how he gets there and he finds the uh, the armor sure. and the sword that uh, or two or yeah, Tour uh, finds that that uh, Turgon left years ago. Uh, let me get to that point here. Um, and he finds Veronway, who uh, was on a ship that Turgon had sent him to the West. He's the last remaining person and the only one that Ulmo decided to let survive from this uh, ship that Turgon was sent into the West. When did he send those into the West? Was that before the Near Nath? Or at what uh, point did he send those ships? I, I cannot remember. It was yeah. only a few weeks ago. But I can't <laughs> was, it, was it only one ship or was it multiple ships? I thought it was more than one. I thought it was more than one. Here's what he wrote. He wrote, 
Um, Tor came upon an elf standing beside the walls of Vinyamar, and he was Varanwe, son of Varanwe of Gondolin, who sailed on the last ship that Torgon sent into the west. But when that ship returning at last out of the deep ocean foundered in the great storm within sight of the coasts of Middle-earth, Ulmo took him up, alone of all its mariners, and cast him onto the land near Vinyamar. And learning of the command that laid upon Tor by the Lord of, Wa- of Waters, Varanwe was filled with wonder and did not refuse him guidance into the hidden door of Gondolin. So Ulmo used Varanwe to guide Tuor into Gondolin. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, the, you know, here's the funny thing there's, uh, in, in, in the fall of Gondolin, uh, the book itself, uh, there's, this is much more fleshed out mm-hmm. because the first half of the story is, is, is told by Tolkien and he never finishes it. Um, but, uh, uh, so I feel like this is so brief compared to that. Mm. Uh, yeah, but here, but, here, Veronwe just feels like the, unironic you have one job guy (laughs) (laughs) your life has been preserved for one thing only you are show this man where my sword where where the armament is and lead him to uh lead him to the hidden city Mm -hmm. that's a role and then we don't hear from him again right so so um probably is the almost the god of the waters so is he the one sinking these other boats well, so he's Vala of the waters, but he is, um, but Ase is the Lord of the storms. He's a, a, oh. a lesser. He's, oh, yeah, he's, that's right. He's not one of the greater Valar, um, but he is said, he's the one that almost went to Morgoth's side. Morgoth almost tempts him over to his side back in the beginning. And he's the one that is um, blamed slash credited for the death of most people in ships. He's, he's, he creates storms and he delights in their fury and many people are wrecked. Many, many, all the ships that are shipwrecked are, are, it's, it, we kind of hinted that it's him. It's on him. Yeah. This okay. is where the, um, the famous saying from the, um, uh, from, from the Numenorians came from. What is that? The, um, the, the sea, the sea is, always is always right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> all right. So I digress. Hey, we can put that right there on the thumbnail. That's right. <clears throat> Ulmo, Ase, the sea is always right. Actually, here, Ulmo is kind of always right, though. He does the right things. He does the things that are, are there to help. He, he does, I don't think he likes the idea that the Valar are, are abdicating all the responsibility. Perhaps that's because he knows what the song is more than anybody else because the waters are... Uh, they, they, they have more of the song in it than any other part of creation. Which is interesting, though, right? Because it says that Manwe is closest in thought of all the Valar, to, and that's why he's the, the, he's the chief of the Valar. So you have this sort of contravening reality of the waters having the song of, of creation in them, and so Ulmo takes a more direct hand, because the people of Iluvatar, the children of Iluvatar, are more dear to him, clearly. Mm-hmm. And because of his love of the song, probably. But Manwe has the job of being closest in mind to Iluvatar. And it's very close, very sh- sharply hinted at the end that it isn't yet the time. He says, Manwe says no to yeah. Ulmo's plea yeah. because it isn't yet the time. Um, and the time has to come with the children of Iluvatar making their own plea directly to the to the Valar, as we'll see. In the next it's kind chapter. of like Ulmo is the John the Baptist. He's preparing the way <laughs> for the coming of all the Valar. Ultimately. All right. I feel, it feels like church in here now. This, <laughs> no, this no, is great. Really. <laughs> all right. So speaking of, not, of well, too much church here. So the city burns. So, so here's what happens. So Gondolin is betrayed. Um, the, the bitter Myglin uh, is captured He's, he makes a lot of trips out, um, illegal trips outside of the leaguer of Gondolin, so beyond the boundaries that you're allowed to go. Betrayed, but Idril, the far-seeing mm-hmm. and wise Idril, decides, you know what, we might need an escape. And so, the, the increasingly sad Idril yeah, yeah. makes reference um, to that, too. But, but she creates, she, she uh, does it say she forges, whatever. She, she establishes an escape route, a hidden escape route that she tells no one about. Um, yes. In, I guess in, like, for, for all these females, the, you know, they say, you know, um, the, the, the insight of the feminine 
uh, mystique is is perhaps is pretty deep. And even in here, you can see this, you know, between her and Luthien and Melian, uh, that they see more than perhaps the pride of the men around them do. Right. Well, it, that's another thing. Yes, yes. It, that's perfect, Jonathan, because Tolkien is very big on the wisdom of the lordly women. They have a, they have a wisdom, they have a foresight they, that, that the men do not, um, the males do not. Um, so uh, the passage you're referring to is, but Idril Celebrindal was wise and far seen, and, and her heart misgave her, and foreboding crept upon her spirit as a cloud. Therefore, in that time, she let prepare a secret way that should lead down from the city, and passing out beneath the surface of the plain, issue far beyond the walls northward of Amangwarath. And she contrived it that the work was known but to a few, and no whisper of it came to Michael's ears. So she basically prepares this tunnel under the plains directly north towards Morgoth's for, uh, fortress, which comes in handy when Gondolin is betrayed. So there is, in fact, a remnant that survives. Morgoth captures um, Maeglin, three threatens him with torture, and Maeglin quickly caves and says, sure, I'll tell you where Gondolin is. And Morgoth's so happy, he says, I'll give you Idril and lordship of whatever's left of Gondolin once we take it. So... Here they come. The dragons have been breeding. There's lots of them. The Balrogs come with all armies of orcs, and they come right over the tallest mountains in the north, straight to Gondolin, and take advantage of the elves at a festival, which is, as is Tolkien's want, yet another reflection of Morgoth and Ungoliant taking advantage of a festival in Valinor to kill the mm. two trees, if we remember back to the beginning of the book. And um, Gondolin is attacked and destroyed um, in a in a tremendous battle, uh, of which and then um, two Balrogs die and two great elf lords. So, it, which has led me now to my corollary to the one of the great laws of Tolkien of Tolkien's world, which is no one ever gets to kill a Balrog without dying themselves. That's basically one of the laws. So Gandalf can't kill a Balrog without dying. Ecthelion can't kill a Balrog without dying. Glorfindel can't kill a Balrog without dying. I got I got three. Dolphin. Uh, does he kill a Balrog? Do we do we see do him we, say I'm, that I'm he not, kills a Balrog? I don't know. We, he Wait, fights. Is he, is he fights three of them, right? Yeah, uh, Fingolfin fights them. them. I don't think he kills them. Yeah, uh, he gets yeah. killed by them. So so you can't yeah. kill a Balrog without dying yourself, which is a corollary to what Tolkien's mm. law number forty-two corollary. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, the Lord of uh, <laughs> though, though speaking of the death of Fingolfin, I'm uh, not Fingolfin. You meant Fingon. Fingon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingolfin Fing 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 died at Morgoth's hand. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, right. So yeah, it's an F named elf with a crown on his head. It's <laughs> one of those F I mean, elves. I, yeah. I still don't get it right after all these months and months. So Fingon died. Um, Gothmog stomped his head into the ground after he died, and Gothmog, um, though, takes it on the chin in this one. And in the invasion of Gondolin, Ecthelion, Lord of the Fountains, and Warden of Gondolin, um, ends up in a one-on-one -on -one battle with Gothmog and they kill each other. So Gothmog has now gone into the timeless void or wherever it is that flaming demons go. Um, and then um, a remnant escapes of the sack of Gondolin. Oh, first Tuor kills Myglin, throws him off and he bounces. That's that, that was a pretty cool visual. Three times. <laughs> Bounce. <laughs> like, boom. The fact that Tol <laughs> Tolkien felt the need to tell us that he bounced three times on, <laughs> down from the top was pretty funny. I, I thought that was funny too. <laughs> so Tuor escapes with Idril and a handful of survivors, including one of them, the great Lord Glorfindel. And Glorfindel, though after they escape through that secret tunnel... They are seen by orc spies because they have a long ways to go through the mountains even after the tunnel exits. And um, they are seen by a Balrog leading a band of orcs, uh, which is interesting. And uh, Let's remember, though, that, that Balrogs are not the, Bal the... The size and scale of the Balrog in uh, Peter Jackson's films is not the size and scale of Balrog, Balrog in Tolkien's books. Right, although I... I to my mind... I don't. I think Jackson's film does it too too much, but I can see it being larger. I mean, there's, sure. there's nothing wrong with a twenty foot Balrog or a fifteen foot Balrog leading orcs. Mm -hmm. um, no, no, no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on um, that. So, so Glorfindel fights him, and they fight, and they fight, and they fight, and they kill each other because that's what you 
do That's with what Balrogs. With Balrog. <laughs> and and meanwhile, the orcs who are set uh, who are attacking the survivors are about to overwhelm them and the eagles show up because that's what the eagles do in times of great need. <laughs> <laughs> the eagles are coming to you and they and they 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 kill all the orcs so actually morgoth doesn't even hear for a long time about this escaped band because the eagles make sure that none of the none of the uh, the patrol no, survives right. yeah. so as to go circle back to what dan said at the beginning the good guys um, actually escape this time and they head down through many, through one a couple of different stops um down through the land of the willows, which is south down the river Syrian. Is it the land of the willows or the forest of the willows? What was it called? Um, land of willows. Nantothran. For the power of Omo yet ran in that great river, and it was about them. So they healed in the land of the willows, and they made a feast in memory of Gondolin. And yes, because it is a law in Tolkien's world that someone must sing in every chapter, they sing... And the warriors of the um, and for Glorfindel the beloved, many were the songs they sang under the willows of Nantothran in the waning of the year. All right, so singing occurs. Good, we can check that box for this chapter. And then um, they head all the way to. Yeah, you're going to show us where that no, is. No, I was just like, I just realized what you were saying when you would check that box. The singing box. We must have mm-hmm. a, someone a sing. Song. I think actually it is. All, I mean, might maybe one chapter that wasn't. Someone literally sings every chapter, yeah. even if it's a tiny little thing. So yeah, keep yeah. going down, keep going down. There it is, Nantathrin, Valley of the Willows. Yeah, so they essentially come all the way from up here, mm-hmm. all the way down there. Mm-hmm. It's quite a ways. That's like yes, way sir. past Nargothrond here, past the gates of Syrian. And so they stay there for a while, and then eventually they head down further, down the all the way to the ocean, and in Arvern... Ar- Arvernian. Why did, why did I have a hard time with that? Arvernian. <laughs> um, in that land, at, they dwell at the mouths of the Syrian River, and they're joined basically by all the survivors of the elves um, of note, like Círdan, etc., who come from all around. And they just—that's where the elves, are the last place the elves are living, aside from some in Osirian on, on the eastern end of Beleriand. But basically, everybody else is—it's—it's it's all, it's all, yeah. it's all been burned to the ground. Morgoth has, in fact, defeated the Noldor, and he laughs. Let me let me get this quote because uh, it really struck me as how Morgoth uh, thought of the the Noldor. Um, he said, "The oath of Feanor never harmed him." Right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm trying to find the right quote. That was my note right here. But he's like, "Oh yeah, that oath. Yeah, that was actually a great thing for me." Like. Whatever oath that Feanor thought he was going to take, like, and even though Feanor knew at the very beginning, like, this, that we won't defeat Morgoth with this, it didn't even harm him. It right. actually helped him. And he time. even says he's, he was willing to give up a Silmaril. It says, but yeah, Morgoth yeah, yeah. thought that his triumph was fulfilled, wrecking little of the sons of Feanor and of their oath, oath. which had harmed him never That's and it, turned yeah. always to his mightiest aid. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And he regretted blood- not the one Silmaril that he had lost, for by it, as he deemed the last tread of the people of the Eldar should vanish from Middle-earth and trouble it no more. But he, mm. he gave no notice of the dwelling of them by the waters of Sirion. Uh, and so he thought probably at that point, he's like, yeah, they're so small, I don't even have to worry about it because the rest of this land is all mine now. He went... It's all all done. done. Game over. All done. And, it, and it, I mean, look, if you look at that map that you were looking that you were we were looking at a second ago, it is game over. Like essentially every single region. There's Easterlings living where the 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 house of Fingolfin used to dwell. The elves have mm-hmm. been driven out of every place that they had. All of their strongholds have been destroyed, betrayed, and destroyed. From Nargothrond to Doriath to Mithrim mm-hmm. to Gondolin. Um, everything's everything's dead. Elves have lost, and more Morgoth has won. And even all of the along the coast, we were told all of the all of the strongholds of the elves of Círdan yeah. are yeah. Uh, were destroyed and and brought low. So Morgoth has won. It, that's that's you know less than six hundred years from the from the um, beginning of the first age and the death of the two trees or the arrival of the Noldor in Middle-earth, I should say. Uh, he has uh, he's brought it to a close, or so he thinks. 
that seems like such a short period of time compared to what happens in the, uh, you know, the, the second age and the third age. Isn't it? it but there's, it but, but that's been the bulk of everything we've talked about. I know. I know. Oh. And it's so all these we have unfinished tales of everything else that, that, uh, take up these, you know, for how many years, 3000, four, 3000, something, 3000. I can't remember. The yeah. It, it's fascinating because we have the beginning of, Thingle and Melian, okay, of Eldamar. I'm just going back to of Fionor. So, chapter six of the Quintus Silmarillion is Fionor's birth and his crafting of the Silmarils. And so, we have five chapters of the creation story, essentially, and well, the uh, Vala Quinta. Um, is before that. So five stories of the age before the first age. And then you have chapter six through chapter 24 for the first day. Well, not, from, I guess chapter six is in the first stage, but essentially this is the story of the Noldor from chapter mm-hmm. six through chapter 24. And then they have Tolkien has one section on the, <laughs> on uh, the Akalabeth and and then another section of the ring on the rings of power and and um yeah then that's it so his whole focus i mean like the bulk of the entire book of the Sil- the published silmarillion anyway has published by his son not by him obviously but is is about the noldor and this is this and it's a story of it's a tragedy right it's a story of of the a fall of a people sure in the end the valar come back spoilers and, and, <laughs> and defeat Morgoth, but they defeat Morgoth in the defeat of Morgoth. This entire land of Beleriand is sunk under the ocean. It, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, the, 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 yeah, the, that's the, no the price of winning is a great, is a, is a price of losing everything. Yep. Yep. Everything that was there before, except for if you're uh, going scuba diving off the shores <laughs> of that river right. of gold. The, what river the, was the name of the gold? river? Has all the gold of Nargothrond or, or of, of, uh, of Doriath yeah, in, yeah. uh, in that one river. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. All right. Well, guys, I mean, I think we're, we're on to the last chapter. Any final thoughts we want to peruse? No, it's been a while coming, but Arendelle is finally here. So yeah. we, get to see, we get to see the <laughs> a literal star in the making. all right well we do have some uh very pointed questions from our members Uh uh so if you want to hear those questions where we address things like what are the seven names of the city of gondolin because he does mention seven names and uh, if if you have the fall of the book of the fall of gondolin those are mentioned actually in there um so we're going to take a look at that we're going to look at (laughs) <laughs> the differences between Luthien's father and Idril's father. Um, and a little bit about the dragons and again about the Valar, because that's a, that's a thing we always have to talk about. Um, but yeah, if you want, if you want to get those and you want to ask those questions, become a member, go to the one slash member. And, uh, it's $4 a month. First month is free. So you can uh, ask the questions in our discord chat there. Um, and if you want to do even more like Adam and, uh, Linnaelin and Chuck, you, you can, you can, become a supporter, a sponsor and do $20 a month. And, uh, we'll get your name here. We'll give you an extra little feather in your cap when we meet you one day, <laughs> but no, we appreciate the support. It really helps us keep doing this, uh, keeps the, uh, proverbial lights on here. And, uh, we love having the chat and Hey, since we're doing the, uh, extended, extended, we're doing the live stream on Friday. If you are a member, there is a, a, a chat room for, Questions to ask during the live stream. So we'll be monitoring that. And then you can just ask us questions without having to look, do like a super chat or anything like that. You can just become a member and ask as many questions as you want there. Just, just don't start spamming the questions. It's not in like an AMA on Reddit or anything like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we hope to see you guys there. Uh, and uh, uh, w- one more thing, though, um, before, we, before we close out. If you like talking. And that's the the book, The Fall of Gondolin. I mean, I don't think there's any other mm-hmm. book to bring up if if you like Tolkien here. And what's really sad about the book, The The Fall of Gondolin, is that there's there's still not a complete story of the Fall of Gondolin mm-hmm. in there. Uh, Tolkien, the last version, I think it's called the last version. In it, if I look at it, let me bring it up here on my Kindle app because I actually I don't think I have a, I don't have a, a, a paper copy handy here. 
but he does call it the last version. The last version of the story actually ends with um, Tour talking to Ecthelion before uh, heading into Gondolin. Uh, and it's, it's just like, oh, you have 70 pages, like, like of what is like three pages in the Silmarillion, you have 70 pages detailing all that happens there. Um, and it's, it's so much more engaging and it's written more like in the style of, of the children of Hurin. So it is, it feels like a, 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 a tale that you can sink your teeth into and then it just ends. And, uh, and it's, it was so sad to me when I read that, when I got that book and I was like, oh, hey, that's a, no, it's just over. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh, Tolkien wrote, uh, you know, uh, the, the last line that Tolkien wrote about between Ecthelion and uh, Tour is, then Ecthelion said at last, now no further proof is needed. And even the name he claims as son of Huro matters less than this clear proof that he comes from Ulmo himself. And at this point he would lead him in. But uh, Christopher Tolkien writes, here this text comes to an end, but there follow some rapidly written notes sketching out elements of the narrative as my father at that time foresaw it. Tour asked the name of the city and was told its seven names. Ecthelion gave orders for the sounding of the signal and the trumpets were blown on the orders of the great gate, then answering trumpets. So Tolkien knew what he was going to write, but um, it was never finished. And when was this version written? It was in 1951. So right around the time that uh, what Fellowship of the Ring was published, right? Was that 51 or 52? So... Um, he was even, you know, he was still writing these things as he was writing The Lord of the Rings, uh, because I still think his heart was in this more even than The Lord of the Rings. Uh, but yeah, check it out. The Fall of Gondolin. I'll put a link below. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and uh, it's it's still worth your read. I mean, some of the, particularly that part of it. Um, and if you really want to get into some of the, the, the sketch, the, the I don't know, the, the literary sketching that Tolkien did around it, some of the notes, where it came from, um, uh, and... Uh, I guess they also have, yeah, they also have the version of the Silmarillion, so you can kind of compare back and forth really easily. Um, but it does make the Silmarillion one feel really brief, and that that is painful. So I didn't, I didn't reread this uh, this part of um, the Fall of Gondolin or hmm. the story of Tour uh, before going through the Silmarillion. I, I read it I um, years ago, but uh, I haven't read it recently. But I do remember thinking, like, this is great, and it's over. <laughs> it's just so hard so hard to swallow so anyway check it out fall of gondolin still available i'm sure at kindle and kindle and paperback uh i don't know if it's available in hardback still but yeah all right guys we are going to head over into the extended podcast again if you want that go to the one slash member become a member four dollars a month and uh the first month is free so you can get our extended podcast with our cool questions from people that are cooler than you <laughs> <laughs> Bye, freeloaders. Oh, I meant I meant you and Dan. Oh, right, of course. Sorry, yeah, well, not... yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, see you guys later. <laughs>